1: A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. (laughs) Right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle
0: Teige. Yes, welcome in to your favorite Minnesota Timberwolves lifestyle podcast where we just want the Timberwolves to win 30 games. Oh, wait. Are we we, we keeping it 50? We just want the Timberwolves to win three games in a row before we die. We just want the Timberwolves to not look like a disaster. Uh, (laughs) So, well, there's a lot of things to get into here today, my friend Kyle. Um, We will, toward the end of the episode, we will go back into the comment section. Phil and Kyle read the comments. But the Timberwolves are sitting here after, I love every time they're on TNT, the thing I'm the most interested in is when they get to halftime, like what is Charles Barkley or Shaq going to say about the team? Mm-hmm. and of course Barkley I don't have it in front of me but I, if I remember the quote right he called them idiots for right yeah of course they're, they're running two seven footers out there they're idiots <laughs> he, he said he's like you know I said
1: this before but I hate that or I hated that trade and I'm gonna be honest with you it actually made me like the trade more like it was the, like the, that Barkley hates it the yeah. confirmation I was like oh wait Charles is on that side like okay good that probably means it was a good trade but yeah they also they do you remember how they ripped apart they did that graphic of like These dominant big men duos, it was like Duncan and Robinson and all these historic guys like McHale and Parrish, and then it was like Horford and Rob Williams and Carl and Rudy. Uh, And I think Charles and Shaq both had some things to say about that that we can't repeat here, but uh, no, uh, that's always a good time. I also, as good as Kevin Harlan is, and I know he's a legend here as well. Are you going to rip Kevin Harlan right now? No, no, no. I love Kevin Harlan, but I'm really just, every time we complain about not being on national TV enough... It's like, yeah, but that's more time that I don't get to hear Jim Pete talk, and it's like, sure, and I love Kevin Harlan, but you know what? I'm actually okay. Just put 82 of those on on Valley. let other people in the city actually access the Bally Sports Network. Um, but I'm okay with no more televised games on ESPN. They just don't they don't watch the team anyway. So yeah,
0: aren't they on ESPN? Yeah, they're Friday on ESPN. against the Bucks. Yes, so you're gonna get you're gonna get that perspective as well. I love me some Kevin Harlan, some googly, 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 baby from yep. the, the 90s. But I do. Yeah, it is tough because Jim, Jim Pete is obviously like he is as plugged in and following as close yep. as anyone. So he can kind of get into the nuance of, of why things are happening more. But let's let's you and I get into the nuance of why things are happening here <laughs> as, as much as we can. You sent me this from uh, from my guy, uh, Jake's graphs, who makes hilarious Legend. merchandise as well. that You should go buy if you are a Wolves fan, and uh, he took a snippet from an NBA.com article. Like, I think this was kind of a 10 year look back. Yep. So this is published eight years ago and it's a 10 year look back at the greatest Timberwolves team of all time. And we've referenced this team a few times here on flagrant Howls as, as sort of a barometer for how much time you have to give a team to gel before you can start really Mm -hmm. wringing your hands and I've probably been a little guilty of jumping that gun here <laughs> just with some of the things we've seen. Shocker. Uh, but that team started 9-8. and eight. That team was just kind of toiling back and forth between a couple wins here and then a couple losses, two steps forward, step back, and it looked and felt kind of clunky. And I do remember, you know, 20 games into that season just watching as, as a gigantic fan thinking, Oh, man. This is, this is not going as well as we thought, right? They made these big acquisitions. They finally put some professionals around Kevin Garnett, some established, <laughs> known, all-star caliber players in Cassell and Spreewell, and here they are just kind of floating around 500 at the bottom end of the bracket. And here's the write-up. And as I read this for the audience and for Kyle, you sent this to me, so you've already read this, but... <laughs> There's, there are parallels potentially to be drawn with yes. this team. And so here's, here's a snippet. Flip Saunders called a meeting in his office that featured Kevin Garnett, Latrell Spre- uh, Sprewell, and Sam Cassell late in November of that 2003-2004 season. This group featured a big three, which was brought together with such anticipation in the offseason, and they were floundering. The Wolves were nine and eight after a November 29th loss to Dallas in their first 17 games that essentially just treaded water. Something wasn't quite right. And it wasn't the personnel. The people on the roster seemed to be the right mix. KG was the leader. Of course, Sam Cassell or Charles Sprewell were hired help. Thanks to offseason acquisitions. The role players were doing what flip Saunders and the coaching staff wanted, but the big three seemed a bit lost, timid, unwilling to take charge. This needed to change. Sam Cassell, reflecting back, said, quote, we didn't want to step on anyone's toes. So Flip pulled us in the office one day and said, we won't be successful until you guys, the big three, hold each other accountable, until you guys yell at each other. The three of us burst out laughing because it was the truth. And after that, it was over. It was as simple as bringing the truth out in the open. How does that land with you as you think about this year's team?
1: I think it's kind of perfect, right? I know we joked about having to do power or leadership power rankings in September because we had to fill the void. But now I'm starting to think that you and I were trendsetters in terms of kind of blazing the trail of who <laughs> is who is. Well, we we won't talk about this on Monday too, but who is this team's voice during adversity? And I've always said, and I, I do believe this, whether it be basketball, your job, your family, like if you if you have to think about who is that leader or the hierarchy during adversity, during an emergency, during a bad time, then you're already effed. Like you need to know that instinctively that when things get really bad, like I joke with my friends on the side, who, if the Wolves have a players only meeting this season, who is going to hold it? Oh, uh, And I think that's a really good question because I don't think you have an instant answer. Um, and then fast forward to this morning, I know that shoot around, clearly they lost since the last time you and I spoke to the Suns. Um, but Dane, Dane Moore had a couple good uh, quotes um, from Jalen Noel where he referred to Torian Prince as the leader of the film room. And he said he's just calling everybody out, like whoever it is. Whether it's the number one guy or the number 15th guy, he's calling everybody out. And that's where you get the respect from everybody. I remember being at media or uh, exit interviews right after they lost game six, um, Saturday morning, earlier this year. And all the guys that came up answered a bunch of questions. And they all went out of their way differently without even being pressed to talk about how Torian Prince was the bona fide leader. Like, you thought it was Pat Bev. He was the vocal one. But on the road, Torian Prince would invite Nas and Jalen into the hotel room and not just talk about hoops and X's and O's, but, like, financial management. Or you don't think you're getting paid enough. This is why you got to work harder to get that next deal. So it's kind of funny because we think about that 0304 team. You and I talk about it damn near every week. As almost just kind of being like, all you remember is perfect. It was the best year in Timberwolves history. But what this article shows you, Phil, is that they had their bumps and bruises, right? They had to kind of grind for a while, tread water, as the article Mm -hmm. says, to get to that level. And I think that's what we're kind of in now. It hasn't been fun. The Suns game was brutal. The Spurs game was unwatchable. But it might be some of those kind of dominoes that lead towards voices in that locker room starting to stand up a little more because we talked about it. Who's going to fill Pat Bev's void? And it, maybe it's Torian Prince. But I think it's I think this is a really big deal and it's a really timely article to read and reflect on.
0: Yes, I think there's a lot of parallels here, but there's yes. also a lot of key differences in that, okay, mm, if, mm-hmm. if, if Flip Saunders <laughs> is going to call a come-to-Jesus meeting and bring, especially Kevin Garnett and Sam Cassell in and Spreewell too and says, guys, I need you to lead. Yep. I need you Take to get after lockdown. each other, and th- this is your deal. This is not, I can't fix this. This is your deal. Well, we know Kevin Garnett and Sam Cassell with championship pedigree as well, that uh, those guys were alpha personalities yep. with credibility capable yep. of doing that thing. And I think that's the biggest question. The fact that Tori and Prince is is leading film sessions, and, and st- that's awesome. But I think... It also needs to come from the group of Rudy Gobert, Carl anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and yep. or Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. And those guys don't have the same. Edwards might at some point. I still think he's immature and young and 21. I just I don't, I don't know that this is the year that he's going to say, all right, like Kevin Garnett at age 29 or whatever in 2003. Yep. All right, guys, this is I see the playing field clearly here. This is my deal. Uh, and I don't know that Gobert, Cat, and D'Lo have the credibility or the alpha personalities to do it. And that's what makes this a little bit different than the team from 18 years ago. No, and that that's fair. Uh, I think of
1: Torian Prince, again, the Wolves and the Warriors are two different franchises. I am well aware of that. But I do think Torian Prince is kind of this team's Andre Iguodala in terms of that vet that all the guys respect. I still think back to when... The, the Warriors made their finals run again last season. There was, this, there was this video during the playoffs where Iguodala was on the bench, and he sprinted off the bench to grab Wiggins on a free throw. Like I think some other team was shooting free throws. And he kind of got in his ear and just kind of yelled at him. Mm-hmm. And it was like that point on, Wiggins averaged like 14 <laughs> rebounds a game. Yeah. Um, so I think and Prince is kind of their Iguodala. But back to your point, the culture of the Warriors was still set by some combination of Steph, Clay, and Draymond the culture now with Pat out and Vando out has to be you still have to have the best most talented highest paid players speak up and lead mm-hmm. and that's the part I don't have an answer to yet. I don't know who outside of TP is willing to talk and has can back it up by being a starter, scoring a lot of points, like being highly paid. So that remains to be seen. Um I know who I th- I know who I think it should be, but it remains to be seen if those people are actually
0: going to fill the void. Ant kind of disappointed me after that Suns game when he came out, and, and he was there was a moment where he was looking at the box score, and it was him sitting next to Jordan McLaughlin, mm-hmm. and Ant is looking at the box score for like 15 seconds or whatever while the media is kind of waiting, and, and he's had this wow moment of, oh, you guys off the bench were all plus 14, plus 12, plus 20 or whatever. And we were all minus as starters. And we got to, you know, we will figure it out. We got to figure it out. But he also made a comment about being tired during that game against the Suns. And he's already had the comment, too, about being bad on back to backs. And so I I will say, from just a lead by example or just leadership perspective, the fact that, and he's 21, I get it. The fact that Anthony Edwards has already said that he's bad on back to backs and he's tired during a Suns Mm -hmm. game on national TV. Just raises a little red flag to me. Hey, guy, come on. This is your third year. You don't get to just be – why are you tired? Eighth game into the season. So that disappointed me a little. I'll just throw that out there. No,
1: and you're right. and That's like the negative. The the, the pro would be that he usually kind of, as he did a week ago when we talked about uh, Popeye's gate, he lets kind of the stuff just kind of go off his back. Like he doesn't worry too much, and he always says, I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I think that's good leadership to be like, you know what? i'm not going to talk about it with you but like we're going to figure this out
0: yeah and he owns it too you know i need to do a better job i need to yep you 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 shoulder blame deflect credit that's that's a good good sign of leadership i think the you know
1: the prescription to remedy this and it sucks but you know the first two years we loved how ant just told you everything i always joked like i hope pr doesn't get to him and try to like you know refrain him from just being who he is he just tells you what's on his mind i'm hungry this is what i'm gonna eat like he tells you we're probably getting to that phase now as a leader and as a franchise player that maybe he shouldn't tell you everything, right? We don't need to know all that stuff. If you are tired, that's not something you should say eight games into the season, right? Especially when the other day you're like, I'm in the best shape of my life. I added all this muscle, watch all these videos I posted in the summer. So unfortunately for Ant to kind of take that next step, he might have to have some sort of governor on what he doesn't release to the public because in the past he's, built this q rating by just saying whatever's on his mind and everyone yeah. loves it well again in twice in a week span you can't be like yeah i've been eating you know popeyes and then i'm tired like you can't you can't do that but to his credit i do think that when he's i i like when he takes a, like accountability and that you don't see that a lot in professional athletes especially 21 year olds so um it's a mixed bag and I, I think we're starting to see Ant learn about being a leader again he had some he had his first kind of off-the-court situation earlier this year and how he's handled that. So this might just all be, as that article referenced again, just a chapter in in the book of, of this season and how this team hopefully kind of builds off of some of their mistakes and
0: hiccups. So I don't know where we're at in terms of the, the early season evaluation. I'm, I'm sure the Timberwolves, Chris Finch, and, and the front office had a plan of, okay, so based on everything that we've – Researched and studied, and the practices in training camp. This is the starting five. This, these are the rotations, on paper. Let's roll it out and see what happens. I'm curious, and they haven't done a ton of tweaking. I mean, obviously, the starting lineup has been the starting lineup. They've tried yep. some different. There's been a couple injuries here and there, and they've tried some different combinations. But you know, the first eight games, they've they start with the same five. They largely finish with the starting five, and you know, there's been some some varying results. Where do you think they're at in in that process? Do you think they set out and said, "All right, it, we got to go 15 games or 20 games with yeah. this starting five? Or do you think based on some of the things we've seen, I mean the glaring one that we've already we've been out congratulations to us. We're uh, we're not right all the time, but we were out in front of this Jordan McLaughlin thing saying, yep. "Boy, I mean, look at some of the look at some of the lineup combinations. You know, for me it's it's very obvious. Jordan McLaughlin deserves as many minutes as you can give him mm-hmm. and as many minutes with Anthony Edwards as you can give him because those that's one of the best two man pairings of of anyone on the team so far how close do you think they're getting to making some tweaks and changes here that maybe even could make egos and, and and veterans uncomfortable D'Lo, for instance i think we're you know i think it's a big month november is for chris
1: finch we just talked about that article and that kind of players own, big 3 meeting with flip they're nine and eight. That's seventeen games. We're at eight right now. So we've seen enough from Jordan McLaughlin to know he should play more. We've seen enough from Nas Reed to know that he should play more. And We've seen enough from Jalen Noel to know that he should play more. And it's starting to be like you know, there's rumblings of last week. It was kind of like trade Carl, and now this week it's trade Delo.
0: <laughs> trade and, and trade as much, Right. Trade. And as much as I
1: love video games, as much as I love the Woj bombs and the notifications <laughs> as well, I would bet my life that they don't trade anyone in November. And it just goes back to the fact that it's like December 8th or something is when all the guys that signed deals this summer are eligible to be traded. So why would you trade when 60% of the league is available instead of 100% of the league? It just gives you more opportunities. So I do, to answer your original question, think Finch, Tim Connolly, all the Avengers in the front office thought, okay, we have to just keep pushing square pegs through round holes for these first 15, 20 games. I don't think Chris Finch is trying to lose games in October, early November, but I necessarily don't think Chris Finch is also, I think he's shaving percentage points off of how much he's trying to win because he just wants to get enough sample size so that when he does make one of those hard decisions, which, you know, covering sports your whole life could lead to political things behind the scenes and bruised egos and all that stuff. He can at least present them with look at this man, we got twenty games of sample size and it just didn't work. So we're gonna pull the plug. If you pull the plug too early, it might give you a win or two here or there, but it's gonna cause issues. Again, this is a marathon and it is November third. Like we we're gonna November's gonna be a big month for Chris Finch to figure this out and to see who we can trust moving forward.
0: Yes. I will I will note so I, I threw this tweet out yesterday and it it got some traction just starting a conversation about lineup combinations and uh, I was looking at th- – this is ridiculous. I woke up yesterday and spent like an hour just going through lineup combinations, just, just laying in bed. Oh, you're like, totally you know, in it now. I love it. This is, <laughs> that's the best. Welcome to the club. Like, how can we tweak this thing? What's going on? And uh, and and this is a grain of salt for two reasons, number one being sample size, eight mm-hmm. games, and number two being some of the lineups and combos that are performing better than others are also because they they might be in against backups. The opponent puts backups in, yeah. so you got to be a little careful with with some of this. But it's very telling to me that of the of the Wolves' five best three man lineup combos. So this player, this player, this player on the court mm-hmm. together. Jordan McLaughlin is is part of the three best lineup combos. Mm-hmm. Um, JMac. Jalen Noel, Torian Prince is their best three-man lineup combo. Some of this is because Torian Prince is off to a Torrid shooting start, too. He's incredible. Any combination he's part of includes like his 50% three-point rate to start the year. Uh, But that group is 40 points, plus 40 points per 100. But then the next groupings all have Ant and or Ant and McLaughlin together. Mm -hmm. So I would look at some of these if I'm... (laughs) This is me giving Chris Finch advice on how to coach and lineup competitions. But but I think there's some things you can build off of here and say, all right, as we as we deconstruct this, there's clearly something with Jordan McLaughlin. And there's clearly something with Jordan McLaughlin and Anthony Edwards and Jordan McLaughlin and Jalen Noel. These these wing players that can yeah. score at different levels. Jordan McLaughlin is brilliant at setting those guys up in the best possible spot to get a mismatch or whatever it may be, right? so i would almost start there and say okay how can we get those guys together those duos or those trios together for x amount of minutes per game Mm -hmm. and if if you can deconstruct it that way if it happens to eat into like the starting lineup or whatever i don't care i'm not i'm not looking at this point if i have to hurt d'angelo russell's feelings to Mm -hmm. get the best thing for the team i'm kind of past that personally but i also understand that you can't just make a decision without thinking about the consequences behind the scenes or like the decision to take D'Lo and bring him down a peg or bench him or whatever should not be done lightly or flippantly, but I'm kind of done just appeasing egos at this point. That's fair.
1: And I think you, you hit the nail on the head. You said you're ready to do that. And so to answer your question a little earlier, I don't think they're ready to do that yet, Mm -hmm. but instead of worrying that they would never do it, we have that sample of game six where, when Finch was in a do-or-die situation, he just made the call and he just put McLaughlin in. Um, but I just I think again this is the least the last thing anyone wants to hear after a loss. But I think they're just going to double up this sample size so that they have enough data that shows. I mean, you know, one of the McLaughlin one of the things with this team right now is they can't shoot. Well, Jordan McLaughlin's shooting 16% from three. He's probably mm-hmm. taken like a dozen shots. But so there are things that you know his his ceiling is not as high as what Delo's ceiling is, but now you're starting to navigate, okay, but is his floor a little higher than what Delo's floor is? Because D'Lo's floor at times can be really um, detrimental to the team. So I, I just think Finch is, but back to your point, Finch has just got to say, okay, we have, I'm going to do this until they get rid of me and Wolves coverage. He has all these ingredients and it's like Jordan McLaughlin is, I don't know, the celery. It's like, okay, the celery doesn't go with the mashed potatoes, but, it goes really well with this, this, and this, and we're just going to lean into more stuffing. We're just yeah. going to have more stuffing. And we definitely like mashed potatoes, and yes, we definitely but, want to include them. But but we're making just a double kind of batch a side, of stuffing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I think, And he has to do that. And it's the same with Nas. It's the same with Jalen. At some point, you have to just start to dance with the guys that, that got you there. And that's been my biggest critique with Finch is that he always goes back to that starting five to close games. And I think it's not because he's a bad coach or dumb. I just think he's trying to see... Square peg round hole. Can I figure out a way to make this work? Yeah. And if it's, you know, if we're setting the table on whatever, November 27th or whatever, and it's still not working, he seems like a guy who is not scared of the egos, Phil. He will yep. make the switch.
0: Yep. And at some point, I would be curious if they deem this starting five to not be working at the level that they want. And it's not. It's not really to this point. It's not a train wreck, but right. Uh, largely, this starting five is getting is getting outscored when they're on the court, and uh, and they could they could change that. It's it it's early, but he's been he's been very consistent with like this is this group of five has played 122 minutes together. The next group of five has only played 14 minutes together. So like this is the the five man group <laughs> yeah. that's on the court yeah. more than any other five man group. It's not even close. Uh, and so, if you if, then if you start to look, okay, Towns and Gobert, I'm not ready to say that Towns and Gobert don't work together. I think, I'm they, I think they might work together. I think they've...
1: I've, I've been more bullish on them after seeing it work out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, It's surprising because we went into this thinking, okay, the offense is going to be humming in October. It's going to take a while to figure out the defense. I think so far, defensive rating, they're like seventh in the league. It's the defense yeah. that's been better and the offense that's stagnant, and that combined with one thing that again you and i've been right more than i thought we'd be we just talked we just spent 12 minutes on jalen noel Nas reed and jordan mclaughlin the depth that we predicted this is the deepest team in franchise history they have i'd be more concerned if the starting lineup couldn't figure it out and then it was you me and judd on the bench like that's not the case they have real guys now you just got to figure out the different lineups and rotations
0: yes and I, i think before you start to say at some point well, Cat and Gobert, just they're two seven-footers. These idiots, like Charles Barkley, they can't play yep, right. together. I would start to look at the pieces around them. Are the pieces mm-hmm. around them complementing them in the right. way that they need to? So you look, Rudy Gobert has, I think he has the best rebounding rate in the NBA. He's doing mm-hmm. it. Rudy Gobert's doing everything that you wanted him to. But the Wolves, as a whole, are a bad rebounding team so far this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's not Rudy Gobert's fault. Right. Jaden McDaniels is not really grabbing rebounds this Correct. season. Why Correct. Why not? Right. So I, I, I would shine a light on some other things here. First, I mean, we already had the D'Angelo Russell conversation. Maybe Kat and Gobert don't work together with those other three guys that are in the starting lineup. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what they deem at some point. Maybe they work better together when it's Jordan McLaughlin or it's Jalen Noel or mm-hmm. Torian whatever, right? So I'd like to see a little... I'd like to see them move off of this five in some form at some point. Hey, Jaden, you're going to be a spark off the bench need you to be more attentive to rebounding and just and make a tweak here or there before i would say these two guys can't play together and that's
1: because i am a jade mcdaniel's fan club card Me too, member. by the way yeah I, I no and i don't think you're i don't think anything you said was untrue he probably is the fall guy at some point like i know it's we really want to push jordan McLaughlin in the starting lineup and put deal on the bench i wouldn't rule that out over an 82 game season but to me, the, the likely move, if this continues to just tread water, for no better way to say it, uh, is that, like, TP gets inserted into the starting lineup and Jaden comes off the bench and kind of runs more with the Nas and the, the Jalen group. So, I mean, Chris Finch has has options here. Um, but I, I think you made a really good point, too, about, like... Thank you, it, by the it, way. Yeah. You're welcome. If, if the Gobert Towns thing, like, I didn't check the numbers after the Suns game, but I still think, at this point, Carl's assisted on half... Of Rudy's made field goals yeah. and then like more than the rest of the entire team like you got to get D and that Gobert pick and roll working you got to get Jalen more pick and rolls with him you got to get like Ant is just constantly waving Rudy off to set screens it's like no Ant. if you have Rudy come up and set a screen he's gonna give you a longer runway to get to the paint and have your first dunk of the season yeah. so that it's, it's still a work in progress we're gonna be talking about this again we they're four and four they're probably going to be nine and eight in a couple of weeks, and then Finch will have to call people into his office, and it'll be Aunt, you, and me, and we'll figure it out, and then maybe they can kind
0: of take off from there. Yeah. Uh, how how deeply before I spring a game show on you here uh, against your will? How deeply have you looked at some of the just the the team stats in the last couple of days? I mean. I do technically have a day job, but that's really all I do.
1: It's just okay. like nerd out over stats and just click so, a bunch of filters.
0: So maybe you maybe you already know this, but I, I like to look – none of these are perfect, but I do like to look at some of the all-encompassing – the stats like PER or win yep. shares, yep. the ones that kind of tell you like offensively, defensively, efficient efficiency, you know, who are the best players. And like if you rank the NBA over the course of a full season sample size on win shares per 48, it's going to tell you – pretty much what you think, who you think are the best players. Like Giannis is going to be number one, and Durant's going to be in the top five. Um, who, are the, who are the best three players on the Timberwolves this season, according to win shares per 48? And if you already know this, that's okay. You can just show I off and give the answer. don't know this off the top of my head, but I'm going to say,
1: oh man, I'm going to say Jalen, Nas, and Carl.
0: You got one of them. Oh boy, that's not. Na- Nas what? has been. It's a small. It's only okay. sixty-five minutes, but okay. Nas is number one. Okay, he's been that effective in his limited playing time. Jalen Noel's actually been the second, uh, third worst player, but not. Oh, okay. But not bad. It's not. Yeah. he's not been shipwrecking anything. I think it's part of it's just he hasn't knocked down shots yet. Mm-hmm. He's going to shoot closer to forty percent from three. Mm-hmm. He's he's really struggling shooting right now. I don't think that's going to continue. So that's part of it. Uh, the other two are Rudy Gobert doing his job. Rudy Gobert is doing his job, and Torian Prince, and the cat is really? fourth right now. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Okay. That's interesting. And that was winchairs per forty eight. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't. We, this podcast can't go on for six hours, but we could just talk for about Nas for six hours. I just am so impressed by him, and whether it be Nas in the front court or Jordan McLaughlin in the back court, you and I have. Come to an agreement that these guys just have to be staples of the rotation, but also, we're basketball fans in general, and anyone listening to this knows you're not going to beat the the Grizzlies in a seven game series if your bread and butter is Jordan McLaughlin, Nas Reed, pick and roll, right? Like that's that's the that's the sky the or the sunroof to a really nice car. Like man, we have a great sunroof, but yeah. if we don't have the engine working and we don't have power steering, like we're we're screwed. So they still need to find a way to make those four or five guys that are. Staples of the starting lineup work, but that's I didn't think TP would even be in there. But I guess the and Jordan, do you say Jordan McLaughlin's in there too? What was uh, that? He's he's got like middle of the pack
0: here. Okay, I, okay. I, I closed out here to, yeah, that, to get made, into some other stuff. Well, actually, yeah, Jordan, the middle like the next chunk includes let's see here. Uh, so Cat is in the four, and then Kyle Anderson hasn't really played, he's played like 50 minutes. But Jade McDaniels, Jordan McLaughlin, Jalen Noel. And then the two, the two worst in terms of the regular rotation have actually been D'Lo and Anthony Edwards. Yep, and, and, they're, and, and they're... in large part because he's had like three just atrociously inefficient games, mm-hmm. and he also sometimes gets put in the spin cycle with some of it's his fault, some of it's just the group that's on the floor where <laughs> right. just like getting run out of the gym defensively for ten minutes or something. So I, I think that stat
1: tells me more than anything. A topic that no one's talking about too much is that. I think Rudy Gobert's left a little meat on the bones. Um I, I, I he still occasionally finishes with like a finger roll rather than just dunking the ball. Um there's still maybe a couple too many post-ups, but by by and large like he's gobbling up a ton of rebounds and he's protecting the rim uh, and he's setting massive screens, so so far I've actually really liked what Rudy's given them. Um but I just think they got to find better ways to utilize him uh and that that does start with the backcourt because as much as we want to harp on D'Lo, and I think it's well-deserved, if you're a D'Lo fan, you point to his partner and you say, well, Ant's been pretty bad, too. And you just said it. like Some of these games, he's been so inefficient and so – going back to that Spurs game, you can't not score in the first half. Like, you just can't do that when yeah. you touch the ball so much. So uh, work in progress for them
0: as well, but they got to find a way to jumpstart that. One thing about D'Lo – I mean, the, the the thing, I guess, about D'Lo is that – and I, I bought into this. I did. Is that he was supposed to be the glue to all of this? That yeah, all right, yeah. pick and roll, boom! This is going to be great for you. You're going to have to be the straw that stirs the drink, moving mm-hmm. the ball around, and then once the ball comes back around to you, you're going to knock down shots. Like those are kind of the three, the three big check boxes: facilitate a great pick and roll game get everyone involved as the point guard and then knock down shots and, and just be a guy that can kind of take over at times. And he's really done none of those three things in the first three games. And I even went on NBA.com just to find out how effective has he been as a ball handler in pick and roll points per possession. So it doesn't tell the whole story, but uh dealer ranks 46th among ball handlers in the NBA so far in pick and roll points per possession. He's just, he's not very good. And he's not he's not consistent. You can't just like not show up for the first ten games right. and and um uh, and then say, Oh you know what I'll yeah. be I'll be around for the next five. Don't worry about
1: it. No, dude. Well when it's w well, I know preseason is its own kind of beast, but we watched all those preseason games and I was just floored by how easily he got to the rim. I kept saying like he was eighty percent of his shots in these games were yeah. at the rim, which was completely different than what we've seen from him before and obviously teams tighten up those rotations and those defensive schemes when the regular season kicks off. But, yeah, it just hasn't even looked – I thought the preseason looked promising with him and Rudy, and it hasn't looked like that, and he's not taking a lot of threes. Uh, And it's just – you know, like I think in that – spur, not to to compare anyone to Chris Paul, but I'm pretty sure in that Suns game, Chris Paul had like 12 assists and one turnover, Mm -hmm. and then D'Lo had four assists and four turnovers, and Ant wasn't any better, but it's just like – that's a big that's a big deal when you can have a twelve to one assist to turnover ratio rather than one to one. Um and again, he just he just needs to I don't know if it's trust himself more or trust the trust Finch's system, but they're not getting I think the Timberwolves backcourt in general has probably been the most alarming thing because I think since we talked last week and since the whole Popeyes thing, like Carl's actually started to figure it out a little more. He had a really good game, I thought, against Phoenix, yeah. like twenty seven. 10 Ten four efficient shooting. Um, he's making better passes. Uh, Kevin Harlan, I, as we talked about earlier, is a is a goat. But uh, Stan Van Gundy was really complimenting Carl on some of the reads mm. he had, and so that's starting to come too. And maybe maybe we're wrong. Like maybe Carl is the glue. Now they said that he could lead the team in assists. Um,
0: I think he's like five and a half a game, and Delo's five point eight. So. Maybe well, you got to think a that Tim, Tim Connolly's vision is it, it's different rosters, but that there's a, there's a Jokic. I mean, he, he can pass. Yeah, yeah, he can shoot, for sure. There's a, there's a Jokic level in there somewhere. Um, some of this is a, is a good segue into Phil and Kyle read the comments here. Uh-oh. So we can, we can always take your questions, your comments, your concerns, critiques, your theories on basketball or life or whatever via the score North app. There's a feedback tab that you can just send us stuff. And uh, also, we're always reading and scanning the, the YouTube comment section and, and Twitter. But um, this is a great question from Charlie Buckets on the North YouTube channel. Please click subscribe and the like button to spread the word here. He says, why hasn't Anthony Edwards dunked it all this year? And I was like, well, that's a little bit hyperbolic, isn't it? <laughs> Come on, like, he's throwing, he's throwing a couple down, hasn't he? Right. Okay, so Anthony Edwards, in the first two years of his career, had 128 dunks, according to basketball reference. Mm-hmm. He has no dunks through the first leg of the season here. Anthony Edwards has not dunked a basketball yet. Isn't that kind of weird? So has he was, passed up opportunities for lay- is he just laying it up sometimes? I mean,
1: you know, someone sent me a similar question about that on Twitter, and then they gave me. What I would deem was maybe one of the spicier takes ever, but it was that doctors advised Ant to not dunk as much so that he could protect his knees a little more. I have no idea if that makes any sense to any of the doctors listening. Huh. Um, but it was it was good enough to make me think like, damn, that's a really good point. I don't think you that's might that. land you might land weird if you if I, you throw it down or I something. I guess. I don't know. I mean that's probably why you and I stopped dunking was to protect our knees. That's exactly why I did, yes, yeah. But, and and
0: you can break a finger on the rim too. Right. And For yeah, me, the, I, I broke my elbow on the rim one time. I mean I get up, so on the Fisher Price,
1: I thought they're made of plastic. I just <laughs> I, I don't I don't really think it's anything more than just a random outlier. I could see him have six dunks on Friday against the Bucks. Um, there But there is a little to the fact that there's more cloggedness in the paint. Like, Rudy Gobert, when Ant drives to the basket, Rudy Gobert is just mentally trained to, like, clean up messes. So he's like, okay, well, if Ant goes up to finish and he doesn't lay it in right, then I'll just tap it in. But the problem is, is that when Rudy goes closer to the basket, he brings his guy closer to the basket. And now Ant sees all this weight and height, and he's like, well, I don't know if I can do this. And then he kind of contorts his body and tries to finish. So, yeah. But I, I go back to I said this to Dane earlier in the week. There's there's no way Tim Conley and those guys and Sashin and all these didn't think of that, right? They didn't think of this summer, like okay, we got this kid who loves to attack the basket. What if we just put a cu- couple cell towers in the lane? Is that going to affect him? I gotta believe they have some some ways to fix that and get around that. But Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards dunking is a big part of his game. It leads to and one. It it also just like energizes that team. It's a big play for them. Um, and it is that's probably maybe the most go find a more shocking stat than Ant having zero dunks through eight games.
0: I, it I is yeah, it's bizarre. Can't find one. It is it is bizarre. There's a couple other weird Ant stat quirks. He's shooting fifty percent on corner threes so far this year. I think it's kind of a small sample. But, okay, uh, but the the good news is he's he's taking more shots percentage wise at point blank range, so inside three mm-hmm. feet as yeah. classified. Than at any point in his career, like one third of his shots are coming at the rim, mm-hmm. so he's either just choosing to go for layups instead for different reasons that you may or may not have mentioned, um, or he's making yeah maybe he's maybe he I don't know maybe he's making a concerted effort to not dunk because of injury <laughs> risk. I, I, maybe, I don't maybe,
1: know. <laughs> maybe in that old age of twenty one, he's already trying to kind of take care of his body. But no, I think they they got to find a way to unleash that because. For better or worse, this kid signed here, well, for better, but he signed here for the likely next decade, and you got Rudy Gobert on the same team. So, but in the same vein, I watched Donovan Mitchell dunk the ball a lot, and his teammate was Rudy Gobert. So, it can't just be ants, you know, kind of back to your, you can't always be tired. It can't just be that there's big guys in the lane, because you've dunked over those big guys before. You've, I mean, Anthony Edwards has dunked on Rudy Gobert. Yeah. So, just, I don't know,
0: pretend he's not on your team. Just try yeah. to jump over him. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mike T chiming in here via the Scornorth app. He says, listening to Flagrant Howls from earlier this week, love the Timberwolves discussion. Could you and Kyle explain to a basketball noob like me, why can't you play Jordan McLaughlin more minutes? Why isn't he a full-time point guard? We love to use stats to back up takes. The stats bear out that this team plays better with him on the court compared to D'Lo. It can't be because he's not... Uh, it can't be because he's not a big name. Give me the productive player over the marquee name any day. Does the, does the organization get embarrassed that a big acquisition doesn't work? delo has been an overall disappointment. So the, the general question here is, why, yeah. why do you have to limit Jordan McLaughlin's minutes? I mean, there's still, there is credence to the idea, right, in any
1: sport that sometimes you just look a little better against. I mean, Jordan McLaughlin's minutes have usually come against second tier guys, like bench mm-hmm. guys. That's a thing. Um, you could get, you should give him more minutes, uh, but I do think there is. You know, remember we talked about like the top twenty-two or whatever point guards, and Delo wasn't in there. I mean, at some point he becomes a defensive liability too. Even though I know D'Lo is not necessarily Tony Allen, but there. I mean, it, you, you just got to kind of figure out that every night then he's going to be going up against. Can is Jordan McLaughlin going to have the energy to do what he does or the ability to do what he does if on he has to guard? De'Aaron Fox, or he has to guard John Morant. I mean, you sometimes want to, you know, you can't just have your pitcher throw 102 for nine straight innings. you got to have, you know, those matchups so that Jordan McLaughlin can kind of take advantage of being a better two than your team's two. But if you try to put your team's two against their one, it's just you're going to run into issues. So I do think he needs more minutes, but I also, there is like some logic to the fact of D'Lo still has a higher ceiling and a little better ability to guard some of these guys even if it looks bad and you have to have him out there at least for now to kind of stem the tide.
0: Yeah. I think it, 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 but it's a good question throw, though. It is. You could throw Tyus Jones into this too, because yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. it's a quintessential backup point. Although the, in fairness, when, when John Morant was out, he was good. Yeah. They won like every game and Tyus Jones played 30 plus minutes yep. or whatever. But, um, but the, but the league and the market haven't dictated that he is a starting caliber point guard because he's still a backup. But, um, Here's my thought on it. I think you nailed some of it. If Jordan McLaughlin, so he, he's, he's playing uh, 17 minutes a night right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. A large chunk of those minutes are against backups or mm-hmm. against he- heavy backup lineups. It's, mm-hmm. it's not always as black and white as, it's not like shift changes in hockey where now the backups come in. So yes. Oftentimes it's blended lineups, but, mm-hmm. but you're facing a larger percentage of backup lineups. In the 17 minutes he's playing, because he's not mm-hmm. starting the game, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were to give him 15 extra minutes a game or 20 extra minutes a game, get him up into like the 30, 35 minute mark, it's going to come against better players. So you're gonna you're gonna expose him to that. Um, also, he's not a very good shooter. You know, right. for his career, right. he's even like below league average as a three point shooter, um, and he's not he's not going to create a lot of offense any other place on the court himself like he's not he's not a guy that's gonna go and get you 20 or 25 points so when he's on the court it's even more pressure on everyone else to score points so that's a thing I'm not saying it can't work but it's a thing and then the other thing I would point to is he's 5'11 D'Lo is 6'4 and the Wolves love just having length on defense and that was my hands in passing lanes rebounding just everything and so if you put a 5'11 guy out there for 35 minutes versus 17 minutes does he get overexposed are our, our opposing teams going to be able to sort of, you know, take advantage of the lack of height there? Just, the, I'm not saying that these are reasons to not try, but these are the, some of the reasons why he has not to this point. Yeah. He's not and, the most, like, athletic, dynamic guy either, so, yeah.
1: You know. Well, there's a reason that the sixth man of the year comes off the bench, right? Like, sometimes those guys are just better suited to go get buckets or defend against second-tier guys. Like Russell um, Westbrook,
0: future six man, almost had a triple yeah. double in like he looked, he looked good. Twenty six minutes, and he had like a triple double. And
1: <laughs> but the, you know the Tyus one is more is a really good comp, but it's also kind of an outlier because I think Tyus is maybe a more generic brand starter than he is. In, I mean, he he's just a better player than Jordan McLaughlin, but he gets paid more. So the Wolves got a nice deal with with J Mac. But I mean, Ka- Jordan McLaughlin falls into like the Shabazz Napier bucket. He he had a stint here in Minnesota. Um, or some of these other like campaign, who they just played against the Suns. Campaign was drafted really high. He's not a starting point guard, but he is a really solid backup point guard. And sometimes yeah. that's just a thing. So to that question, he has to play more. They got to find ways to, you know, kind of acclimate him in more with maybe three starters or like Ant and Carl and some bench guys. But the physic, the physical frame of him is what holds him back. It's probably also why Jalen Noel as much as I want to like be his agent probably is like a more suited for a elite bench role than a starter because at some point just your stature and your height and your weight and your lack of wingspan does affect your ability to defend even if you have the heart of a lion yeah uh so good question but play him more but I just don't know if he can ever be the actual starter for this team
0: yeah that's that's fair it's It'd be nice if just from a human dynamic standpoint, you could say, you know what? All right. So uh, egos aren't going to be bruised, but Jordan, you're going to play 27 minutes now. And D'Lo is going to be the punch off the bench with the second unit or something. But I just don't know. that. I got to go back and look at this. But someone texted me that
1: they're like, remember when Finch convinced D'Lo to come off the bench for a little bit and Ricky Rubio was starting? And I can't remember how many games that was, but I do remember that being a thing. Yeah. And now that I mean, and I was thinking about because I'm such a degenerate and my brain sucks that I was watching that Lakers game last night and I was like, man, they really did get Westbrook to come off the bench and look really good. And then Delo looked really good with the second unit guys last year. I was like, hmm, put a pin in that.
0: Put a pin in that. That's interesting. And that's where as a head coach. Yeah, you got to be good at X's and O's. But a lot of it's just oh like the God. Flip Saunders anecdote from the beginning of the show. Right. It's about leveling with humans with huge contracts and egos. And getting them to do what you want and play within a team construct. Actually, we were talking off mic as I slap my mic in the face here <laughs> out of excitement. I was watching the uh, the Redeem Team documentary or mm-hmm. movie on Netflix last night. So good! If you guys, the audience, if you haven't seen that yet, Must it's, watch. It is. It's a look back at the 2008 Olympic gold medal winning team USA basketball that you know a, a section of that team got beat and embarrassed in 2004 and then they also lost in the world championships Mm -hmm. a couple times in and around that too and a big chunk of the documentary was about a lot of it was about Kobe and how Kobe was trying to rehab his entire image with the league and and he didn't have any friends or anything and he was just it was like the softening of Kobe Bryant for the first time but also it was about how Mike Krzyzewski noted college basketball coach was appointed as the guy to save USA basketball and how he went about from a human connection standpoint, building relationships and respect with all these big egos and hall of fame players, LeBron and Wade and Kobe and all these guys. And it really is. I mean, this, this is where Chris Finch is going to have his work cut out for him. It's things aren't going in the way that you wanted, which rarely happens. Like you're going to have to make some adjustments and it's not going to be about necessarily drawing something different up on a whiteboard. It might be about, leveling with humans and having conversations about leadership and effort and things like that so and that that, that, that's why i
1: i will make november chris finch month because we all know how he came in and replaced ryan saunders and it was just literally in the middle of the night um and he was just kind of like this shaggy-haired guy like i don't know what's going on i'm just like gonna play some guys and like he had a really cool bravado about him and it really worked and then it translated into the last season and it really Mm -hmm. worked but him too, and by the way, like if anyone even remotely is like thinking about firing Chris Finch, just no. like block me, like get away from me, I hate you. Yeah. Um, uh, no. But I do think this is the first time that guys really had expectations with his new with his role, and just like some of these other guys, like real expectations, not just like hey, can you break the playoff drought streak? Like we're talking second, you know, third round stuff. So. It's going to be interesting. I really do think that you can come up with forty-two different storylines to focus on this month. But it, to me, it's going to be Chris Finch. It's going to be does he finally crack the glass and not close with the same guys he started with? Yeah. Does he lean into the hot hand approach? um And how does he manage? Because I always try to stress this: like we watch basketball, the Wolves, eighty-two games a year for two hours, and then mostly we're just kind of on Twitter or whatever. Those guys are like show up to the office every morning, and then they interact and they sit in a meeting room. They sit on the practice court and then they go to the cafeteria. Like, they on the pla- like, they, they interact so much that you have to finesse those relationships. It's way more than what we see on TV. And that's why it's so much harder to just like, okay, deal is pissing me off. I got to put Jordan McLaughlin in. Like, yeah. You can't make those rash decisions early on because it can actually be more detrimental long-term, even if it benefits you
0: short-term. Maybe Finch needs to appeal to egos a little bit. There's a, there was an anecdote from Krzyzewski in which they were- Such they, a good doc. They were approaching the the 2008 Olympic. It was right before they started playing games in the actual. So they had, they had kind of built up this team over like three summers, mm-hmm. and now they are about to go play actual Olympic games in China. And he sits the team down beforehand, and he starts telling a story about how, guys, I'm a grandpa. I've got grandkids. And, you know, they sit on my lap, and they ask me about, Hey, you know, what does dad, you know, gr- grandpa, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a college basketball coach. And they start asking questions about, you know, did you ever win a championship? Whatever. So someday you guys are all going to be a bunch of granddaddies, a bunch of grandpappies and your little granddaughter or grandson's going to hop up, sit on your lap. And, and they're going to ask you about that time you played in the Olympics. And they're going to say, grandpa, what happened? What happened in the Olympics? And what are you going to say back to them? Are you gonna say, well, we uh, we lost to that Greek team," <laughs> and then the story's over, and then they just go to grandma? He goes, "How do you want that story to go with your grandkids?" It's like, "Oh man, run that, through a that, wall!" Yeah, I said, like, "I'm ready to run through a <laughs> wall." You know, isn't Coach K like unemployed? They should maybe just have him come speak they to the should. team. They should. Yeah, that, that might be the answer. Finch, we... Listen, listen, Carl, Rudy, people are gonna ask that one time where the Timberwolves traded for two seven-footers. Uh, how did that season play out? Ah, uh, well, we. Got to the play-in as the nine seed, and then <laughs> we got beat by the Pelicans, and uh, then yeah, they traded gotta get, everyone. <laughs> we just got to get
1: Carl and D'Lo and Rudy to sit on Coach K's lap, and we'll figure it out. That 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 doc was so good, and you're right. That little moment. There's so much good footage that you've never seen before. And again, I am probably. Well, I know you're with me on this. We're we're sickos together, but I just am so into like that behind the scenes, like the kind of subconscious or the you know the psychological stuff that goes into playing sports. Um, because again it's more than the two hours you see warming up and playing a game and icing your legs Uh, there really is some ego and politics and you know personality that goes into this and i think that's what we're starting to navigate with this team in november is okay it didn't start as well as you thought some of that's on us right they shouldn't be seven and one like there's Mm -hmm. really good teams they've played i mean they they've beat the thunder and the thunder have beaten everyone um but now you're kind of hit some adversity it's getting a little colder Teams are starting to figure it out a little more. What what are you gonna do to
0: pivot now as you know your competition is starting to get tougher? Amen. So all right. Well, this is probably a good stopping point here before we uh you know get too far down the road of just playing Jordan McLaughlin for all 48 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So we'll <laughs> let them play a couple more games and uh and we'll be back with a couple episodes next week of flagrant howls, as we still would like the Timberwolves to win fifty games mathematically. It's a little still more possible. challenging still when possible. you're only five hundred after uh, your first eight, but it is still very much possible so all right he's kyle i'm phil thanks for hanging out with us we'll see you next time
1: your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever get to know them on a genetic level with embark vet developed by veterinarians and phds embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds it's top-notch science for your top-notch pup Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA. That's DNA to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health kit or Purebred kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. Whether it's
0: Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar.